Welcome to Daybreak Devotions, a podcast version of the daily radio ministry of the McLeansville Baptist Church with your host, Pastors Mike Barnett and Corey Cantrell. back to Daybreak Devotions. Boy, that was an astounding intro right there. It sure was. I couldn't even start talking until that wound down. It was big, real big. Yeah, big ain't the word for it. Got that right. So welcome back to this Thursday edition of Daybreak Devotions. I feel like I haven't been here in a while. It's been a while since we have been in collectively. (laughs) There's only two of us. (laughs) (laughs) Well. And the listener. (laughs) Some of our <laughs> listeners have been asking, you know, where oh, where man. you've been, why we've been, you know, having a hard time getting our schedules together to, you know, do our, our standard format that our listening audience has come to love and appreciate. It's Thursday and we're back. We've got some exciting things to do, including a little brief special edition for Thursday. It's time for Thursday's Treasure Trove. Good news stories to warm the heart. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Well, this Thursday, today, this week, my Thursday's treasure trove, good news story, is going to be a little close to home. I'm going to tell about personal. I'm going to use a personal illustration. Okay. I have no news article to read, no news story to warm the heart, but I had it in my mind that I just wanted to share with everyone the value of experiences. And so my little treasure that I'm throwing out today is, here we are in September. There's beautiful weather coming eventually, nicer weather, cooler weather. And I want to encourage everybody to have some experiences as we enter into the fall season. Now, for example, let's see, last last weekend, um, it was Friday, I was up at New River, and little Benjamin and I did some tubing on the river. Oh. Yeah. Now, I got to tell you, we didn't do a long stretch of the river on tubes, but we did it right there at the state park, kind of get in at this one entry point, and it's, it's not real far. It took about 20 minutes to tube down to the place we got off, but the reason it took 20 minutes is because that is the slowest part of the river. Right there. I mean, the river kind of divides, and I think the stronger currents on the backside, we were on this front side. But anyway, it was very leisurely. Matter of fact, there's a couple times along the way I thought, we're stopped. We're not even moving. Is that possible <laughs> on a river? And uh, it was it was shallow enough in places that he actually had his feet down through the, the hole and would just kind of push us along because we had our tubes together holding on so we didn't get separated. Not a big danger of that until the end. But uh, at the end of that little trek, it's a pretty slow, pretty... But at the end, you kind of hit this little... Well, the lady that was there uh, that had just got come off of kayaking, she said, oh, when you get down to the big rock, it's a whirlpool effect. And it was. It just kind of grabs you and just... Whoosh, when you go over the little rolling water over the rocks and boom, it's like a big finish. Hmm. And you can't get over to the, the, the pathway to get off... Like, it's just going to push you on through. So the first time we went through, because we did it, like, I guess just twice, maybe three times. I don't remember. But uh, we uh, the first time through, I had to jump off the tube 
to get us and pull us over to where we get off. Well, it wasn't shallow right there. I jumped off my my tube and I was gone. I never <laughs> touched bottom. But anyway, got it off. But here's the neat thing about it. Okay, so it was it was nice weather. It's a little cooler than most people probably would want for that, but it was an experience. We not only tubed, but we first time down we saw a giant bald eagle flying. Actually, it was flying around because some other kind of bird was chasing it. But it was huge, big bald eagle flying over the river, really cool. The second time down, we both looked over our shoulders at about the same time, and Benjamin said, what's that? And I looked, and I saw something moving through the water. At first, you know what I thought? Snake? Loch Ness. Oh, you would go there. But no, (laughs) it wasn't Loch Ness. It was a river otter. So we were tubing Uh with river otters, well, at least an otter, which is, you know, an odd sort of thing. Otter thing. It's an otter thing. It's an otter tea. Yeah. Anyway. You don't see many of those in the wild. No. I tell you, I've been I've been at the river a few times, and uh, to see a wild otter swimming, you know, that's a rare thing. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty cool. It was a great experience. Oh, and let me add, the same day, earlier in the day, we went fishing, and after about an hour and a half of doing nothing but feeding little baby fish some worms, I changed up the way I was doing it. And got my bait down on the bottom of the creek. We were actually at a creek. We weren't at the New River at that point. But I caught my first trout. Uh-huh. Of course, I've never really done trout fishing. So I guess I'm batting a 1,000 in trout fishing. What more could you want? I mean, that bad boy was, you know. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> what is that? I don't know. Nine inches. Okay. Nine, 10, 11, 25 inches. I don't know. It's somewhere, somewhere around, around that there. range. Yeah. But uh, So that was a pretty cool experience. And here's what I'm saying to you, folks. Here's my Thursday treasure trove. You need to go out and have some experiences and do it with somebody you love. And that was Thursday's treasure trove for this week. A bountiful booty of blessing to bring warmness to your heart, goodness to your day. So this was something that Kind of, I read last week in just in just my personal time, and then Sunday afternoon after the morning service, my thoughts were brought back to here, just kind of of how they went in conjunction. So, uh, if you're a regular NBC attendee and you're familiar with Sunday morning service, really to just to kind of maybe summarize that in a nutshell, it was really on not being a hypocrite and not. I guess maybe to better say fleshing out, this is what a real hypocrite is. And this is the danger of getting sucked into that kind of a lifestyle and into the, into the trap of living in hypocrisy is really kind of what my takeaway from, from Sunday morning's message was. Well, then that took me back in my own reading to 2 Corinthians chapter number 6 and the, and the back half of chapter 6 and, and the first part of chapter 7. Which, but I guess this was kind of the, the carryaway thought from Sunday morning and into my own personal reading, these were the questions that came to my mind. As a child of God, I am called to separate from this world, which really is kind of a lot of what hypocrisy is. It's, it's the failure to really separate from the world in the way that God has commanded and instructed us to separate. So if I'm called to separate from this world, I'm called to look differently, talk differently, act differently, and to think differently. But what does that practically look like in my life or rather, what does a genuine Christian look like? If I'm wanting to be a true, blue, bona fide 
disciple of Jesus, not in name only and not checking all of the cliche boxes, but to actually be somebody that is recognized as a follower of Jesus, what does separation look like in my life? Um, I know I come from a, a, a big experience of separation was thrown around in a lot of ways, but never really explained the right way. What's the old uh, the old cliche phrase? Don't run with the, uh, don't smoke, dip, or chew, and run with those that do, or girls that do. Yeah, that too. That's separation. You know, man, we're just a we're just a completely cut off. But the problem with that is that kind of then makes it hard to be an ambassador for Christ if we really just wall ourselves away and cut away every single person that doesn't look like us, act like us, or talk like us. Well, number one, it's not what Jesus did. And number two, it's not what the guy who wrote this text you're referring to did. Right. And he actually encourages the opposite in the letter of 1 Corinthians. Sure. Because what I thought of when you started all that, 1 Corinthians 5, 9 I wrote unto you in, in an epistle not to company with fornicators, yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world or with the covetous or extortioners or with idolaters, for then you must needs go out of the world. In other words, Paul said, I told you in my last letter, don't keep company with the sexually immoral fornicating crowd. Well, the average separated Christian today says, yep, that's right, we don't do that. We don't run with those that do that kind of stuff. But then Paul immediately says, I'm not talking about unbelievers. Mm-hmm. Because to do that would mean you'd, you'd have to just check out of the world altogether. And he, he, what he, he's actually saying there, it goes on in verse 11, I'm writing unto you now to explain this, to not keep company with someone who calls themselves a brother but lives that way. Don't do that. Why? For testimony's sake. So the intent is be among the world, but you're being different when you're among them. Absolutely. I think it's a very difficult passage to fully understand without really spending a lot of time in it because it's easy to take the the approach of well I mean let's just let's just go down the line of being unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Mm-hmm. So I guess the things we typically hear are marriage, yep. business partnerships, uh, that, that, that is that it? I think those are the main, the real two ones, because those are your choices. You know, you know, be careful about where you choose to to work. Be careful about who you choose to marry, because those are well. And the application, the application, it fits there. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing wrong with that. But what's the direct interpretation of this? I think it's a little deeper. And the reason I'm saying that is I'm thinking back to what I referenced earlier. What Paul writes in First Corinthians, he says, "I'm not saying don't have association or be around." people, unbelievers who do all these wicked things. So if he's saying over here, I'm not telling you to not be around them, but he's saying over here, don't be partnered up with them. Don't be, don't be teamed up with them. Don't, you know, how can you, how can you work with that? What is he actually talking about here? I mean, I'm just, I'm posing the question without really having the definitive answer. I do know this because I'm responding to to your your lesson today, but I do know this that as you go on down the 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 passage, he brings out almost like the main point is that we are the temple of the living God. So how does that apply to this? It, I'm posing questions. Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess to maybe to get a little ahead, but it definitely fits right now. 
if we're talking about the difference in an association as far as working together or having involvement versus being yoked up, I, th- I think we, we even look at the passage and we look at the description of, of, I guess, how he is describing the separation. And these were some words that jumped out from me. Yoke, fellowship, communion, and worship. All right, so if, those, if I'm looking at those things right there, we're talking about people that I'm yoked up with, that I'm fellowshipping with, that I am entering into communion with, and that I am worshiping. Those are kind of the categories of where we're to draw the line of separation. The reality of it is I cannot worship with an unbeliever. They, they, cannot, they cannot enter into that level of worship with me. I can't have true communion. I can't engage in true fellowship with an unbeliever. Or with somebody that is even, I think it's even to say a hypocrite. Somebody that is projecting to be one thing that might, you know, check all the external boxes, but is, is not real on the inside. These are, these are the, the, the qualities that I have to be very, very, very selective at who I'm, I'm letting enter into there. Because those are, those are positions of priority. However, I can build a house with an unbeliever. I can I can go to work and work on an assembly line and and I can worship the Lord in my being around them and and seeing the goodness of God in them and the touch of God. But as far as entering into that action together, I I, I can't do. So I guess if if I was to or answer the question rather of of, of what's the difference, I think there is an there is a vast difference in an association of getting a job done versus a a partnership of well of of life of of entering into this this life commitment I don't know maybe that's let me see if I can bring some clarity to my question that dropped the rock in the pond all right so I th- I'm thinking now okay so even with everything you just said I almost want to challenge some of it by bringing Jesus into the picture because he is the answer to everything. He's the example of everything. Jesus was so closely associated with sinful people that he was known as a friend of sinners. Mm -hmm. He was actually blasphemed by the religious people because he hung out with publicans, you know, and prostitutes and really, quote, bad people. He fellowshiped around the table with them. He had friendship with them. Okay? So, there's that. Mm -hmm. Yet, there's a distinction between that group of people and his disciples. So, I I think about Mark chapter 6. I can never remember the exact reference, but how Jesus chose those 12 to be with him. Mm -hmm. Those disciples became his real personal disciples intimate acquaintances and deep friendships there was distinction there because they lived together and they spent all this time together that he didn't spend with all those others i mean he would visit and he would have meals and he would enter into their homes but there was definitely a distinction so again in a way i'm sort of still bringing up the issue aren't i we have a hard time ciphering that out in our day well i think we do and 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 this is the thought as you were explaining that Perhaps it is because we use words interchangeably. 
Because again, even as, as you were talking about Jesus fellowshipping around the table with the sinners, the publicans, the prostitutes, and, and all that you know filled into that category, that level of, of casual fellowship, of just maybe enjoying being around one another, but I think it's safe to say that they were not a part of his fellowship of, of, of uh, I don't know the term, but of life. Like, in other words, this is on our other podcast, they wouldn't have been his intimate battle buddies. They weren't the ones that were in the trenches with him, that he was engaged in fellowship with. Those were his disciples. Those were the, the ones that had been called to be with him. So, again, as we're, as we're kind of trying to, to outline these things out, I think there is a big difference in enjoying or, or fellowshipping or spending time with unbelievers without bringing them into the... Let me back up, because this is a point that I wanted to clarify earlier, too. Unbelievers and the religious, pharisaical game players that are that are not you know allowing people that aren't sold out and devoted to become part of hey i'm rubbing shoulder to shoulder these are the people that i am in the fight with these are the people that i am engaged so, with. so but here's a question okay none of those people want to be in that deep level so again it to me brings up the question of what exactly is paul warning us away from they don't want to be in that deep level with us but why are we pursuing that deep level with them? Yeah, it's the same question in my mind because the one thing I would say is is that why can I not worship with an unbeliever? Why can I not have a worship, a time of worship in which I invite them into that? Yeah. So all, all I'm doing is pushing against this to say there's something here that's deeper than don't be close friends with lost people. I agree. But what is it? Dear listener, write us at <laughs> daybreakdevotion at gmail.com. Well, and I guess we didn't script this in case nobody has figured that out yet. Spoiler but, alert. But I think the part of the problem with understanding this is because how long the you know fundamental mainline Protestant uh, what's the other new word? Evangelical mm-hmm. churches have sort of perpetuated this theology of separation that's very shallow. Oh, I, I 100% agree with that. And so we look at a passage like this and we're like, well, I, what is this? Well, I can't marry an unbeliever. Check. I can't go into a business partnership with an unbeliever. Check. What does the rest of this mean? Perhaps the the error especially for this particular presentation, but in, in other forms as well, it's not so much that I am cutting people out of my life. I have to take inventory of, you know, I'm, I'm removing this, them, them, this, that, or the other, but it's actually more about who I am inserting into my life, which, again, is part of that separation. Because you, you were right. The people that we described earlier, if I am genuinely devoted and sold out for Jesus, aren't going to want to be a part of my inner circle. They're not going to want to be there shoulder to shoulder with me in the trenches because they are focused on everything else. But I think part of what Paul is encouraging here is check your own motives. Why is it that you find yourself drawn to 
the unbelievers, the uncleanness, the wickedness? Why is it that you find yourself that you're the most comfortable there? And, you know, oh, we've we've got things in common. We're going the same direction. That shouldn't be the case. So you, just for clarity, so what the, the approach you're bringing to this is a believer who is not necessarily grounded in a, a way of holiness. Yes. And, and they're they're flirting with disaster. Correct. It's it's somebody that is definitely far too comfortable in this world system. And the call to separation of understanding we shouldn't be comfortable in this world system. We are ambassadors. We're foreigners. This isn't a part of our comfort culture. Now, we can operate here, and we can have influence and impact here, but we are to come out from among them and be separate. We're not citizens of this world. We shouldn't, our brains shouldn't operate with the same goals, objectives, and desires of unbelievers. And when we separate from that path, because I am adding more of Jesus into my life, because I am more devout onto the way of Jesus and the way of Christ, well, by default, there's going to be some things that I cut out. There's going to be some pleasures and passions and possessions that that I don't want to touch or I don't want to have a part with because they're keeping me from my ultimate goal. And as I separate from those things, I'm not as concerned about the people that I'm separating from because they're not in places that they may or may not belong but I'm just living the life for Christ around whoever it is that I'm around, but not going the same direction that everybody else is going in. Just a final contribution on my part. Okay. What if the context of this is, in fact, in line with the context of 1 Corinthians and the whole thing of what I said was, don't be yoking up with somebody who claims to be a brother. What if the context is the man who was living in open fornication with his his uh, father's yeah wife. stepmother, yeah. and in this passage right here, the term or the phrase of unbeliever is not what we typically think of. All the heathen people out there in the mm-hmm. world don't have nothing to do with God. What if the context is the guy who's sitting in the church claims to be God? What if the people I'm actually supposed to separate from? Are the the people playing playing Christian in the church? Well, it brings us into a whole new level. It does, but as we sit here talking about it, it might be the only thing so far I've thought about that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Because I can't separate from lost people, and I no. don't want to not invite lost people into my life. But there is a lot of scripture that seems to indicate the importance of getting away from the people who claim to be mm-hmm. true believers but actually aren't. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And dogs. That too. Isn't that, was that Jude, James? Be, beware of dogs. Beware of dogs, beware of the... No, that might, that's Paul in Philippians, isn't it? That's Paul still. Yeah. I'm going I'm to read it. Philippians 3, 2. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. And you know who that is? That That's not, that's not heathen. Heathen don't talk about concision or circumcision you know that's not they're not the ones that will be having those conversations mm-hmm. it's people inside the church that paul calls dogs and evil workers 
I, I don't know. I'm not being dogmatic on that. No pun intended. But it is something to think about. Well, because ultimately I do think that still fits in the in the original premise even of today. We can't just associate, or we can't rather just, just go along with the status quo of, oh, yeah, this is what it's talking about, because it's it's too easy to compartmentalize and say, well, I don't do this, that, or the other. Therefore, I'm a separated Christian. The issue of separation is definitely more thorough in our lives than what we give it credit for. And it requires a much more transparent examination of every single facet of my life. Not to where I'm just checking the cliche boxes and, yep, I'm a separated Christian, isn't this great, but then there's absolutely zero difference in me and anything that I'm doing from Joe Blow down the street. I just don't do it with Joe Blow down the street because I'm a Christian. Exactly. You know, there's still the same, a lot of the same stuff in my home, in my car, fill in the blanks. In my mind? Yes. It's just as much there. The same pursuits, the same goals, the same longings. I just religify it because I know I'm not supposed to have those, but still, they're still harbored in a safe place. And so it's all of the same stuff. That's the separation that we're looking for. How do we remove all of that stuff out of my life? And the most dangerous people that will harm your effort to that will not be lost people. It will not be lost people in the world. It will be people in the church who are saying there's nothing wrong with this. Yes. I'm a Christian. I don't do that. I don't have a problem with that. Well, you know, Don't judge. Those are the people that will hurt you the most. This made me think of something else that I had wrote down. It would be far better for us when we're talking about touching not the unclean thing. We waste a lot of time trying to justify why the unclean thing is actually not unclean. Rather than just recognizing it and saying, you know what, no, I'm not going to touch that. I'm not even going to try to entertain how I may or may not be able to make this work. If it smells unclean, I'm going to cut it out and just err on the side of caution. Separate from it. Push that out from my life. Well, Peter referred to to uh, hogs wallowing in the mire and dogs returning to their vomit. Mm-hmm. Paul calls them dogs in Philippians 3, and here he calls them the unclean thing. Hogs and dogs are unclean things all through the Bible, and it's all in the context of people hanging out in your church fellowship. Yep. So might have landed on something here. Oh, by the way, by the way, I, I know time's up and everything, but looking at the rest of the notes that you didn't get to that you had wrote out, all of that still applies. The The, the question is not really about what, what you're stating about separation. It's more about who does this most apply to? Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's the key uh, takeaway right here is that you know, the Bible might have a lot more to say about people that are a little closer to us than we think they are. Sure, most definitely. Well, friends, we hope that you have received some help and some encouragement from all this. But most importantly, we hope that you are motivated to do some self-examination, dig deep. Have a wonderful rest of your day. See you next time. Thank you for joining us on today's program. We hope that you'll tune in with us each and every day right here on Daybreak Devotions as Pastor Mike and I will discuss various topics in God's Word. If you've got any questions, comments, we would love to hear from you at daybreakdevotion at gmail.com.